morning, family. It's good to be with you. My name is Eddie. I am the lead pastor, and it's a pleasure to be with you this Easter. Uh, it has been a, a long process of us getting here, but we have made it all together, and I'm thankful for you being with us. Uh, before we get into the Word, I have a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Um, I just wanted to thank you all for what you've been doing with Mobile Hope. If you don't know, we have partnered with an organization called Mobile Hope, and they provide food and, and other resources to those in need in the Loudoun area. And so we have supported them, and we're, we're partnering with them to support them in their Sterling location. We're collecting food on Tuesdays and Fridays at our Ridgetop office, and then we're helping them deliver those things on Wednesday. So if, you, if you'd like to be involved with that, you're, you're more than welcome to join us. You can email sterling at gracecov.org and, and let us know. Otherwise, you can join us by, by uh, giving on Tuesdays or on Fridays at between 12 and 3. Well, we, we are celebrating one of the greatest stories that, that's ever been told, really the greatest story, and it's this story of God invading reality, God invading uh, our reality and, and doing what we could never do, saving us, and then defeating our, our worst of enemies, Satan, sin, and death. And, and a good story will take you from, from point A to point B, and, it, and it'll take you from, from this kind of person, and it will, it will transform you into something else. The best stories show us how we can get to become someone better. I remember when I was in, in college... I, I had, I had been introduced to the, the story of the lion, the witch, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And, and many people had grown up uh, and had read this as a child. It's a children's book, and it's, it's in a series of children's books. Uh, they were written by this guy named C.S. Lewis, and, and they were allegories of this, this Christian faith. And so there were these kids, these four kids, and they, they come into this, this fantastical world of, of Narnia where there's this amazing, powerful uh, witch and she's, she's evil. And then there's a, this amazing, powerful king who is a lion named Aslan and, and he defeats her and we see them getting swept up into this story. And they go from being kids who are playing in, in their, their uncle's uh, w- big mansion to being kings and queens in a story that, that encompasses all of reality. And, and it was an amazing story, and it was even more amazing that it was an allegory. And I'm reading it in college, and I see this is the story of the gospel. This is the story of what God has done. And, and this is, is why the gospel is one of the most amazing stories. When we look at the Bible, sometimes we think of this as a set of rules or, or regulations or things that, that God has told us we must do. And, and certainly there are things in there that are our rules and commands and, and ways that God wants us to live, but they're all, they're all seated, they're all positioned within this larger story. And it's a story that, that involves all of creation from, from Genesis 1 to the end of times when God will bring together all his people and have a huge party. And he invites us into this amazing story. And today I wanted to look at one part of the story. It's in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. I'm going to read this, and if you want, you can read along with me. Um, This is a story of the, the two individuals on their way to Emmaus. It says in verse 13, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, 
about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were walking, or while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all of the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company have amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said to them that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found that it was just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And and he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets, prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, uh, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going to go far, farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn with us while we talked on the road, while he opened opened to the scriptures? Opened to us the scriptures. Verse 33. And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven. And those who were with them and gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you invite us into this conversation, into this story. A story that you've been crafting from before the foundations of the world. A story that you introduced to us with the words, In the beginning, God. God, I thank you that, that you don't leave us to live out our own small, insignificant stories, but you invite us to be part of one of the most amazing stories ever told. You invite us into the story of your son, the story of his, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and his victory over Satan, sin, and death. And you offer eternal life to us as we trust in you. God, I pray that you would be with us as we study your word together. Now, this, this account comes to us uh, at the end of the Gospel of Luke, and we see that Jesus has died, he's, he's been crucified, he's been buried, and so what has happened is, is these two guys had been, had been following Jesus. It's, it's likely that they had come in the week before during the, the, what, what we talked about last week, the triumphal entry, and... And they had been following Jesus in his ministry and, and, and believing in him, trusting in him. And they had, they had witnessed his arrest. They had witnessed probably his, his crucifixion. And they, they had lost all hope. 
You can hear it in, in kind of their voice when, when Jesus asks them. He comes up next to them and asks, you know, what, what's going on? And he says, are, Cleopas says, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem? Are you the only guy who hasn't heard the terrible news? You see, they had, they had put their hopes in this idea of who uh, the Messiah, the chosen one, the Christ. These are all kind of the same t- types of words. In the Old Testament, there was this one who was promised. He was called the anointed one or the Messiah or, or the Christ. And, and he was promised to redeem Israel. And so there were those in Israel who were looking and, and believing that Jesus was going to be the one to redeem Israel, but their idea of the redemption was a political, governmental redemption really from, from Rome, that, that Israel would become this, their own unique nation. But God had bigger and, and better plans. So these two guys, are they're walking back to Emmaus, likely the place they had come from, to go uh, follow Jesus into Jerusalem. And they're walking back home and they're talking about these things and they're reflecting on it. And, and Jesus draws near. Jesus comes to him. It says, while they were talking in verse 15 and discussing together, Jesus drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Here's the, the irony. They are talking about their redeemer saying, oh, it's so terrible that he is, he's died and, and, and that he's gone. And, and he's, they're talking about Jesus in the presence of Jesus. They don't recognize him. They were effectively blind. And so they have this conversation. They go back and forth with Jesus, and, and they explain who he is. And, and Jesus says, okay, well, who's this guy? What, what are you talking about? And Cleopas describes them in this way. He says, um, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God, and all the people. Cleopas had an idea of who Jesus was, but it wasn't the full picture of who Jesus was. He calls him a man, and a man who was. He's, he's no longer living, Cleopas says, because he's just a man. He's no longer living, Cleopas says, because death reigns in his life. And he was a prophet, someone who spoke on behalf of God, someone who maybe heard from God. But this is, this is a step away from the real identity of Jesus Christ. And they're blind to the reality that Jesus lives and he's more than just a prophet. This is, the, this is the starting point for my life. This is the starting point for your life. I remember when I was, when I was seven, I was at this, this big Baptist church and, and I remember walking down the aisle because I had gone from being blind to all of a sudden believing something. But I had started out hearing things, knowing a little bit about Jesus, but, but I did not see him for who he was. I thought, oh man, he, he's, a, he's a good guy. And maybe, maybe you see him the same way. Maybe you think of him as a, as a historical figure. Maybe you're not quite sure of who he is. Maybe you, you believe that he's a good prophet, but you're, you're, not, you're not willing to say, okay, but he is Lord and King and God. We all start at this point in the story. And like these guys, we're, we are wrestling with the significance of who Jesus is. Maybe you're not wrestling with the significance of who Jesus is, but if you're here on Easter Sunday, I would invite you to wrestle with the real significance of who Jesus is. They were familiar with Jesus, but they didn't have faith in Jesus. Familiarity is not faith. And so as they have this conversation, Jesus interrupts, and we can see that in verses 25 through 27. And it says, He said to them, Jesus, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer, suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses 
and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus responds to him and says, guys, foolish and slow of heart. Now, the foolish is not, you guys are stupid, you're idiots. This is not what he's trying to say. He's saying, uh, you guys are not correctly informed. You're, you don't have the right view of things. Jesus was saying, your idea of, of this Messiah, this, this, this redemptive person, this Savior, it's, it's uninformed. And, and maybe you've come to the Bible today and you've thought, okay, the gospel is intended to, to get me out of jail. The gospel is intended to fix my this problem or that problem. And, and you haven't seen the success of, of the gospel because you're not quite informed of what God has promised to do. He says that they were foolish. They had the wrong idea of who the Messiah was. But not only were they foolish, it says they were slow of heart. Their ignorance was connected to their unwillingness to believe what Jesus had said. It, the reality is these guys have been following Jesus. And, and in, in Luke alone, in three places, Jesus says, the Son of Man is going to die. He's going to be crucified or he, he's going to be uh, betrayed. In, in Luke chapter 9, verse 21 and 22, in Luke chapter 9, verses 43 and 45, I'm not going to go there right now, and in Luke chapter 18, verses 31 through 34, three different times Jesus says, hey guys, it's not going to be what you think. And, and they're like, okay, yeah, good, it's going to be what I think. In one ear, out the other. It's, it's kind of like when you talk to your friends and you're saying, hey, uh, uh, you need to turn left here, and they're, they're not paying attention, and, and they keep going straight. You're like, that was, that was the turn. Jesus has been saying, guys, there's, there's going to be a bit of a turn coming up, and, and, and they didn't hear him. They were confused and disheartened, and they lost hope in Jesus. Beyond disbelieving Jesus, they had failed to see uh, and understand Scripture. He, he says, foolish and, and slow of heart, um, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer and enter into his glory? He, he's basically saying, yes, the, the point and, and what scripture has says, and he goes on to explain it, is that, that Jesus was, or the, the Messiah, was going to suffer and then enter into his glory. There was going to be this humiliation before the exaltation. They had had such a, a view of, of who he was supposed to be that, that they were unable to, or the, unwilling to see scripture for what it was supposed to be. These Two disciples had such strong preconceived notions of who the Messiah was supposed to be that they couldn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, right? Surely the, the Messiah's redemption would mean a po political salvation for Israel. Surely the Messiah wouldn't die. Surely the Messiah wouldn't die a criminal's death. These were things that they didn't fit into their, their schema. It didn't fit into their idea of who the, God, the, the Messiah was supposed to be. And because they believed these things so deeply, they missed the point of emphasis of Scripture. Not just with what Jesus had said, but they missed the point of Scripture. And, and family, your preconceived notions of what God should be doing might get in, your, get in the way of your ability to see his plan for your life. I'll say that again. Your preconceived notions of, of what God should be doing in your life might get in the way of God's plan for your life. What things in your life do you have to have in a particular way or else everything uh, gets, goes haywire in your soul? What things in your life cause you to panic? If, if, if this doesn't happen or that doesn't happen or if, or if my day doesn't go this way, that I'm going to panic. Those are things that you're holding on to too tightly that get, into, get in the way of God's plans. 
The points in your life where your ideas and God's plans, and specifically God's plans as, as expressed in Scripture, fall out of alignment. The places where your ideas and God's plan fall out of alignment are places where there's confusion and disappointment. Because you're not following, like these guys, you're not following with what God has said. But Jesus set about to give them a better understanding. He wanted to explain to them how things ought to really be. It says in verse 27, one of the most amazing things in Scripture, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the Scriptures, uh, sorry, he interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. When the Bible, when the Bible uh, talks about Moses and the prophets, uh, it, it's a way of, of talking about the Old Testament. Sometimes it's Moses, uh, the prophets, and, and the Psalms. Uh, but these are, this is shorthand for talking about in the Old Testament. And so basically what, what happens is that Jesus sits down with these guys and he has a Bible study. And this is one of the best Bibles. I would have loved to have been in this Bible study. It would have been helpful to me. Um, this was an excellent, whether you, you like Lifeway or, or Crossway or uh, T.D. Jakes or whatever it is that you like, this was a better Bible study. And he goes on and he explains from all of Scripture, beginning in Genesis, uh, going on to what was their Bible at the time, the end of their Bible in the Old Testament, uh, he goes and explains from Scripture about how it was about Jesus. You know, if we were to go there now, we could see it too. In, in Genesis chapter 3, it talks of, as early as Genesis chapter 3, we have this idea that, that the Messiah, the chosen one, the one that God would send, would have to suffer. After Adam and Eve sinned, God pronounces these curses and he says, uh, he says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So even in Genesis, we, we see this, this idea and this theme of, of a suffering Savior begin to develop. And, and we could go on further, but, but in Isaiah, we, you, might have, you might have looked at that during Good Friday. In Isaiah chapter 53, we see this idea extended where, where Isaiah talks about this suffering servant. And, and listen to how he describes him. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed." And we, like sheep, have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to, to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Old Testament, and really the Bible itself, is about Jesus. If you look at Exodus through Deuteronomy, you get this picture of, of among other things, you get a picture of a priestly system where God says, you know what, my people need uh, an intercessor, my people need a mediator, and so we get that great high priest who stands between uh, the people of God and God himself, and he intercedes on behalf of the people and, and intercedes to the people, speak to the, speaks to the people on behalf of God. And, and we see that, that even though we have this great high priest, he isn't enough. There's this day of atonement every year where God is having to remind them of their sinfulness and, and the cost of their sin. They need a better priest. We see in, in Exodus, or we see in Judges and Kings and, and Chronicles, we see these, these kings who ruled, but they ruled terribly. We see these judges who ruled, and for the most part, they ruled terribly. And at the end, you get this sense, we need a better king. 
We, we, we see the prophets constantly calling the people of God back to, to faith, faithfulness in the covenant. We see the, the, priest, the prophets saying, come back to Jesus, or come back to God. Be faithful to Yahweh. And, and despite their, their constant calls and the, their demands that, that, that the people of God live like the people of God, we see that they fail and they fail and they fail, and, and we need a better prophet. And when you step away from the Old Testament, you get this sense that there needs to be a, a better priest, a better prophet, a better king, that, that God has promised that, that the one who would come and redeem was going to crush the head of the serpent. This was what Jesus was talking about. It's been promised that I was going to come, that I was going to suffer, and that I was going to overcome. So he, he informs them. They go from being blind to being better informed, and they continue on their way. It says that in verse 28, they drew near to the village. And it's funny, Jesus, he kind of continues to walk and he acts like he's, he's going to keep going, but they're like, oh, stop. And, and so he stops because he knows what's going on. And they invite him in and they, they have a meal together. And it's amazing. Some of the most profoundly intimate and personal moments are shared in Scripture around a meal. You know, in Genesis, it's the fall is shared around the meal. And in Revelation, it's the, the marriage supper of, of King Jesus, of the groom, that's, that's shared around a meal. And so they sit down, and they, they're at the table, and it says in verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. They had gone from being blind. It says in, in, in the earlier verses that they, they couldn't recognize him. They, they did not see him. Their eyes, it says in verse 16, were kept from recognizing him. And here it says their eyes were opened and they recognized him. There was something about Jesus break. I mean, how many times had these disciples sat down with Jesus and had a meal with him? How many times had they seen his hands breaking the bread? How many times had they heard him, him pray the prayer, Father, bless this food? And in a moment, their hearts were connected with his and, and they saw him for who he is. And their eyes were opened. To now today, family, you and I, we might not be eating around the table with Jesus. You may not have had similar experiences of, of that kind of intimacy, but, but God still wants you to experience him and to see him for who he is. He's been pursuing you longer than you could imagine. If you're in this, if you're in this uh, chat if you're watching this, this is not just something that, that you chose to do. God has been pursuing you and getting you into this place. My hope is that, that if you're new, that, that you're hearing the gospel and you're hearing that Jesus, he, he, he was pursuing you. He's pursuing you even right now. And maybe, maybe you've been blind. Maybe you didn't know who he was. Maybe you, you kind of had some ideas. And maybe you've been better informed. You've gone to church. You've, you've you watched a few uh, sermons now, you know, since this whole quarantine thing has happened and you've got tons of time on your hand. Maybe you've, you've read the Bible and you've seen some things. But in this moment, there's, there's a sense that God, God wants to, to break bread with you. Jesus wants you to see him not just as a prophet, not just a man who was, but as God who has risen from the dead, as, as a savior. You have a better understanding now. And Jesus invites you to believe and see so family, where, where are you on this, on this story? 
This is, this is an amazing story that we all we get to participate on. This is a story that I'm involved with. I mean, some days I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on the road to Emmaus, and other days I feel like I'm sitting down with Jesus. Other days I feel like I'm being schooled by him. Where are you on, on the spectrum? Are you, are you over here blind and not really seeing who he is? Because he's inviting you right now. And, and w- part of what I've been trying to do is to, to help us move from a place to being blind to being better informed so that we might believe. Or are you over here and you're, you're informed? Maybe you grew up in church. You've heard, you've heard the gospel preached. You know the gospel. Jesus died for my sins. He rose again, defeating Satan's sin and death. He offers eternal life to everyone who... And it rolls off your your tongue easily, but it's not something that connects with your heart. You're slow of heart to believe. My encouragement is that God is inviting you into a story, a transformational story, where you can go from being better informed, from not, no longer being blind, to believing, to believing Jesus is Lord and Savior. Paul says in Ephesians that, that Jesus... He, he's now ascended on high. He's, he's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. He's above all of it. He's, he's Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He's, he's not just a guy. He's not just a prophet. He's God. And, and he invites you right now to enter into the story, to put your faith in him and believe. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you love us. And we thank you that you, you want to weave our lives and our stories into your greater story. God, we thank you that you you sent your son, Jesus, and that he wasn't just a man. He's not just a man, but he is God, the second person of the Trinity, the word of God, the God-man, that he died on the cross, a, a terrible death, in order that, that, he, that we might stand before you righteous and right that he was treated like a a sinner so that we might be treated like a righteous son. If you're in this room, you're not in this room, if you're you're listening to this message and, and, and you are going from being better informed to believing, my encouragement to you would be to respond in the chat. There's some people there who, who've been prepared to, to respond and, and help you in, in responding to God in faith. By, by saying and, and believing that, that God, Jesus is Lord and then living life differently as a result. So if that's you, you can, you can let us know in the chat and, and we'd love to, to walk out and, and help you walk out some things so that this story could continue in your life. This is, this is not a moment for you to, to put it on pause. Don't, don't allow yourself to, to remain better informed. Don't allow yourself to, to remain over here um, slow to, to move. But allow, allow this gospel message to take you from blindness, blindness to better information to, to being one who believes in the gospel, one who believes in Jesus. Well, family, we're, we're doing some amazing things in the community. Part of, part of being the people of God is, is embodying the love of God to the community. And we've been able to do that over the last few weeks. As I said before, we have been partnered with Mobile Hope and, and they're actually partnered with uh, Loudoun Hunger Relief, which is another organization in Loudoun County that we support and we, we have partnered with in the past. And so we have the, we've had the opportunity to feed about 500 people in this area, 400 to 500 people in, in this area. And, and we've partnered to do so uh, to, feed, to help 
in that way over the next few weeks for as long as the need exists. And my encouragement to you is, is don't, don't let your faith sit, but, but make your faith active and join us in this effort. Right now, I, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond by, by offering your resources. We've been taking up a benevolence offering, and, and all of these funds are going toward supporting the needs in our community. And so I would ask for you to consider what you might give to, to our benevolence offering so that we might be able to be salt and light in, in the community. If you're giving online, you can uh, click the Give Now button. You can go to our website, gracecub.org, and, and click Give. And you can uh, specify Sterling um, Benevolence Offering. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to Grace Covenant Church. And you can write Sterling uh, Benevolence in, in the memo. And you can mail it to 21631 Ridgetop Circle, Suite 200. You can find that address on our website as well. But I'm going to pray. Father God... I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you, you care about our community and you show that care first and foremost by sending your son, Jesus, and you call us to love our community well. I pray that you would bless this offering. Lord, use it, multiply it for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Family, the Lord keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Amen. You are awesome. Love you.